Welcome to Three Kitchens, a home cooking podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Somasundaram, here with my two co-hosts, Heather Dyer. Hi. And Erin Walker. Hello. How's your week going, ladies? Ah, it's good. been going pretty good. It's uh, it's a Tuesday, so what can I say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I hear you. My least favorite day. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I have to share something with you that I saw recently. Mm-hmm. I was scrolling through Facebook as we do, and I found this image of this food item that I want you to see. Okay. So I'm going to send it to you right now. Oh, God, I've seen this, oh, actually. Have you not seen these before? I, said, I have, I have seen not this. seen this. So, uh, so everyone knows what they are. <laughs> yeah. So there's these macaroons with a baby's face on top of them. They're called baby face macaroons. And they have these pinchy little eyes. Yeah. And they're very fleshy colored. And it's extremely disturbing. Because they look real. <laughs> because they look, yeah, yeah, they're really, really creepy little shrunken faces. Yeah. Creepy, but I mean, look at the art. Like that, that's amazing. That, that looks like. Yes, the talent is what I mean. It is for talent, sure. but I mean, who wants to eat that? But who takes the time to put that much effort into something that looks like that? I don't know. It's not. If it's the same, if it's the same artist that I'm thinking. If you Google it, you will find babyface macaroons. Oh, there you go. If it's the same artist, it looks like they also do like little, like really realistic looking brains and like. Oh, all kinds of like, and sometimes they're not just a pinchy baby face, but a pained expression, like yeah. really, really oh. crazy, weird stuff. Yeah. Anyway, I, I find it kind of fascinating, but. <laughs> well, I, I like spooky things, right? I love Halloween. Yeah. I love, I, but this one's just a little, <laughs> I don't know if I could eat this. <laughs> well, I might, I will probably, but, but. Uh, Maybe it's it, not meant to be eaten. Maybe it's just for show. Like maybe no. it's not actually. Could I don't you know. imagine all of these at like a baby shower on a baby shower? Yeah, that would be odd, right? <laughs> I'm thinking more Halloweeny. Yeah, but, yeah. But I, I think it'd be, be hilarious to have something like this at a baby shower. How creepy would that be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This was anyway. Not, uh, that not- was. That was my uh, scrolling rabbit hole earlier. I was like, what is this? You have got to see this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and if you just Google creepy food, you get all kinds of disgusting. Um, oh, don't. Oh, don't do it. Don't do it. Especially not before breakfast. Mm, yeah. No. <laughs> so, Sarah, uh-huh. what do you have for us today? I'm making pizza. Oh, and more specifically, uh, a pizza dough recipe from one of my favorite, Gennaro Contaldo. Okay. He's an Italian chef, and I learned about him through Jamie Oliver's website. And I don't have to introduce Jamie Oliver, do I? I think no. he's pretty well known. And both of them have developed restaurant recipes together. I think they've opened up restaurants. They've worked together and, and on different food projects and stuff. And so when you see one, you see the other kind of deal, like it pops up, right? On videos okay. and stuff. And I do have a cookbook by him. Ah. What I like about his recipes is it focuses on quality more than quantity. So if you're going to spend the money on this recipe, kind of buy the nice stuff, okay. but you don't use a lot of it. And there are very few ingredients in his recipes. Oh, that's nice and simple. Yeah. So simple. So delicious. 
My family loves his recipes, but you know, this is a baking cookbook that I have of his. Oh, I see. So Mm -hmm. I have tried this pizza dough before, this pizza dough recipe, which I did modify a little bit, but let me tell you why it did not matter in the end. Okay. Hmm. So sometimes our kitchen adventures don't come without near disasters. And you know me, I can get quite overambitious with recipes, right? So I'm watching uh, Gennaro Contaldo making this pizza dough recipe. And I love watching him. He's very eccentric and enthusiastic. And and he's got a pizza oven and it's and it's a beautiful day outside. And it's is he speaking English or is it subtitles? No, he's speaking English in that beautiful accent of his. Oh, and yes. Oh, Anytime it, someone's right? talking food with an accent, you have to sold. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when people make pizza dough on a flat surface and they take they pile flour on to a flat surface and they make a well in the middle of it. Yeah. Oh, and then yeah. they add water and, and, and then try to make the dough that way. So mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, no problem. I'll do that. <laughs> so I make the well. Yep. I pile the flour onto a flat surface, which is my counter. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. I make the well, I add the water and it's all good. The water stays in it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. fantastic. Until you touch it. And then you start to mix it. <laughs> exactly. I started to incorporate the flour t- to the middle of the, the well into the, into the water. And I have to add that my family's around the kitchen at this point. First, the water starts trickling out ever so slightly out of this well. <laughs> so my logic is that if I add more flour quickly into the middle, it will absorb the water and then less of it will leak out. I feel like that's a bad plan of action. (laughs) Yeah. In reality, (laughs) I was breaking the barrier that was keeping the water in. And the more frantic I get, the more the water and flour now starts pouring off the table. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I start freaking out, of course, with my colorful language. (laughs) My family looks up. The kids now are totally like wide eyed going, whoa, there's flour and water on the floor mom's making a mess this means we can make a mess too and my husband sees their wheels turning he jumps up runs to the closet (laughs) he gets a broom and then he goes wait maybe I should get a mop too because now it's water and flour and he's trying to like clean everything up it's making a paste (laughs) it's making a paste (laughs) and flour and water all over the it's so hard to clean up uh, and in my final attempt to save the dough and stop the mess from getting bigger, I fling my arms out and I embrace <laughs> my water and dough mixture, forgetting mm-hmm. that I was wearing my red fluffy robe. Oh, oh no. Long sleeves. <laughs> and so it was all down my sleeves and, you know, laundry and clean up later. We had no pizza. To- <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. What is it with me and pizza dough? Uh, you know what? Fails, eh? It's it's not just you. I was making pierogies with my oldest son just about a month ago, and I had the same thing. I've but yeah, it's almost impossible to keep it in there. I find it only works for me with an egg. When I make a right. pasta dough, totally doable. Anything else? Uh uh-uh. uh. So mm-hmm. one um, thing I've thought of is make it on a cookie sheet. So then if your stuff runs away on you, you're not chasing it down your counter. First, I'm going to use the ingredients out of Gennaro Contaldo's recipe book called Panetaria. 
And I'm going to use instant yeast uh, because that's what I have in my fridge. And that's what I'm used to working with. I think in his recipe book, he speaks of the other two, uh, which is um, active and fresh yeast. And so there are uh, yeast converters on the internet that can help you figure out how to convert between these amounts. So what's the one called traditional yeast? Which one so is that? So that would be the active. Oh, okay. Anyway, I, I'm used to using instant. That's what I have. Um, is it come in little beads in a jar or is it more of a block? It's the same look as the active yeast. Okay. Whereas mm-hmm. active yeast, sometimes it can die without you knowing. Oh, right. So it's not a it's that's that's why you put it in warm water and wait for it to bubble to mm-hmm. to sort of let you know that it's good to go. Right. Yeah. Uh, with instant yeast, you don't have to do that. It's just it's just an easy thing to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to make this easy. That's the whole point. Because you're going to make it cute. <laughs> yeah. What What is the what what are you doing here? Are, you, are tweezers involved? Paintbrushes, perhaps? perhaps? What's happening? I don't know if I'm going to need this by hand, okay. but if I did, I'll be using a bowl, unlike the last time, to contain mm. the water and the dough and the, and, and the flour. But I'm probably going to be using a stand mixer, and I'll tell you why. So, of course, I'm reading his recipe book, and then I'm watching his video, and then I go on on the internet to read the TMI out there about pizza (laughs) dough. And there are so many different takes on this. But here's my thing. If you're not an amateur pizza person or like me, a failed pizza maker, um, (laughs) and you want to up your pizza game, I suggest you take a look at the pizzaheaven.com website. Okay. He's got great information there. So this one particular post named The Ultimate Guide to Proofing Pizza Dough speaks of kneading the dough for longer, like 20 minutes, instead of Gennaro Contaldo's 10. By hand or by mixer? Either. Uh, as one way of getting the... 20 gluten. minutes kneading by hand? Oh, right, my word. Exactly. This is sounding like the whisk again. Come no, on. So that's why, I, that's why I'm saying stand mixer. <laughs> yes. I'm not crazy. And uh, oh, sorry, Aaron. I'm I'm not uh, motivated like you. <laughs> I'm still here. Thank you for using a different word to describe it. <laughs> Highly motivated. I like that. And so this is to get the gluten developed enough that it will hold its shape and its structure in a stronger way, allowing it to hold all the carbon dioxide in it in a strong way and it to sort of proof well and so that it'll be crusty on the outside but fluffy on the inside gotcha does that make sense yeah the perfect bread the perfect bread to put into shapes perhaps you you guys are giving you're giving things away (laughs) we know you we know you sarah I feel like the mystery is not that mysterious. All right, all right. All right. It's still <laughs> going to be a surprise. I'm not going to say it anything. It will be a surprise. I'm going to use a double zero pizza flour. Probably we'll have to make a trip to the Italian market or Lena's by uh, my house to add yet another item to my pantry. Excellent. Excellent. But I love going to those shops, so no complaints there. And the benefit to this flour, it, it has a finer texture. Right. So if you're doing this by hand and you want to get that that real smooth dough going, I would imagine that using this would help, right? That finer texture would really help. And it has a protein content of about 12%, which I understand is optimum for pizza. 
Do you know what regular dough has a protein? I don't. So I think I I believe cake flour has a lower percentage because I use cake flour for the bows and stuff. So Hmm. this is a higher protein. Higher. Okay. That's good enough. And so this website I'm speaking of the the pizza, what was it called? Pizzaheaven.com. It goes into how long the bulk fermentation should be which is basically increasing the size of the dough, balling the dough, which is then making individual portions of the dough so that you can roll it out to the individual pizza size that you want. Yeah. Right. And then the final proofing. But I'm not going to get all complicated with my first pizza bake or my first successful, hopefully successful (laughs) pizza bake. (laughs) And I'm going to use that proofing hack that I spoke about in the bar recipe Mm -hmm. to give me an idea of uh, how long this is going to take. But I do know that it has to double in size. And I also uh, heard that one way of knowing pizza dough is proofed, which is really weird because it's very different from breads and buns. It's like almost the opposite logic Mm -hmm. is when you poke an indentation into the dough, it should not spring back. Yeah. Uh Right. And with bread and buns, that's like, like you, like that's not how it's done. Right. Can I ask a question? Mm -hmm. So when I make pizza dough, I don't proof it. I only do a rise. There's no proofing step. The only time that you do the rise is at that first part. And I did Mm -hmm. use your proofing hack for that last time I did it. Mm -hmm. And I would say I got the best pizza dough I have ever made. Nice from making sure that I really watched the rise and then the sitting on the counter for 15 minutes is totally crucial. Is that not proofing when you've sat those balls on the counter? It's not a second rise. When it's sitting on the counter, you're just letting it rest. It says let the dough rest for 15 minutes on the counter. You're not waiting for it to increase to a certain size. Whereas in a second rise, you're usually waiting or a proof, you're waiting it for it to rise. Okay. So this is totally different than what I've done. I mean, I'm still quite new to baking and there's so many methods of doing it. I just had to pick one and stick with it, right? When you're talking about the first rise, that's called bulk fermentation. Okay. Don't worry too much about these uh, terms because a lot of people uh, interchange these terms like proofing, rising, like, you know, they use it. So it doesn't matter. What you're basically doing is you're increasing the size of the dough in a bulk fermentation. Right. Okay. And then your proofing would be then to get. You want all the puffy bubbles. So the protein has, is done. And yeah. now you want the bubbles to, to uh, develop. Um, when you overproof something, it becomes one big bubble. And that's why it collapses. Yeah. You want mm, little bubbles I everywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And then resting is just when you handle anything with a protein structure and they're like, well, why are you touching me? Just leave me alone. I, I got to do my thing. And that's what resting basically is, is before you put it in the oven. So that's why you're not touching it. And you don't want it to rest too much after you roll it out because you want to keep that shape, right? You want to yeah. keep that yeah. pizza shape and then you want to and put that in the oven I am, see, this is where I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if I'm going to put it in my oven or I'm going to do what Aaron does and put a pizza stone on my barbecue. Do it. And uh, get it done that (laughs) way. It just depends how much effort went into it and, you know, how nervous I am. But do you have any tips for cooking pizza on a barbecue, Aaron? 
Um, so my method that I feel confident in sharing, I heat up my barbecue as hot as possible with all three burners right. without anything on it. No pizza stone, nothing. Okay. And I give it between six and 700 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. I get it smoking hot. Once I've got it up to temperature, I take my pizza stone and I put it in the middle. I turn the middle burner down to half and I keep the side burners on high. Okay. I close the lid. I go inside and I get the pizzas that I've made. I come outside. And at this point, the stone is heated up a bit, but not too much. Oven is hot again. I don't know what temperature it's at at that point. I have my pizza sitting on a parchment paper so that I can easily slide it from the pan onto the stone. And then I keep it on that stone, usually a solid 10 minutes. You can totally do this. Do it in your stand mixer. I always need it myself at the end for two to five minutes, depending on, I can feel it. When you sort of pull uh, the, when you stretch Mm -hmm. the recipe, uh, the recipe, when you stretch the dough and you can see through it kind of, not see through it, but it's translucent. Yeah. Right. And that's really what you want to achieve with this pizza dough. Yes. And one of the ways to actually knead this dough is, is with your hand is to use the base of your palm mm-hmm. and sort of stick it into the middle part of your dough and then hold on to the end of your dough and stretch it and fold it, stretch it and fold it. So if you want to do this hand kneading thing, if that's something that makes you happy and relaxed and, or you're motivated, <laughs> then go for it. <laughs> okay. When I take it out of the mixer, it's almost impossible to stretch out like that because it's still quite stiff, tied up. Yeah. 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 And so a couple minutes of hand kneading are what make it relax. Okay. So maybe I will do that. Maybe. Um, so, so these are my goals. Basically, I'm making pizza the easy amateur way. Okay. So really for, beginners like this is not for the pros but if you are a pro then go to that website and try to up your uh, pizza making game right okay um so i want to make it an amateur way that i can share with you listeners and so that it you know minimal work maximum yum Mm -hmm. right and then my second goal is not making a big mess or swearing okay not making a big mess Okay, that okay. sounds more reasonable. Right. And then, <laughs> and my third one, and this is where my co-hosts have tried to give it away, but I'm not saying anything about it. Um, I want to make it, um, <laughs> I want to present this pizza and the toppings in a very different way. Are you going to tell us the toppings or is this no. the surprise too? Oh, this okay. is the surprise too. So it's not going to be, I hope, you know, a regular kind of pizza topping topped pizza. Right. It's going to be a little different. We would not expect pepperoni mushroom from you. Right. Never. Which is, which is my favorite, by the way. (laughs) Um, But uh, if, if I'm successful and I can do this quickly, I think this would make a great present for when you're invited for dinner at someone's house, like Mm. a little, like a gift Mm -hmm. for a host kind of deal. Mm. So, but let's see if that works out and, you know, wish me luck. I need a lot of luck with this one because like, it seems like throughout my life, whenever I play with pizza, things just don't work out. <laughs> you know, when you see chefs do these things, there's, it just looks so easy. And so it looks so relaxing, mm-hmm. right? If he was swearing, 
and having a hard time, you would never try yeah. to follow his recipe. You'd never right. try to recreate it. And you'd think That's he's true. a fool. So, <laughs> But I wonder if there was any point in his life that, you know, he when he first made it and said, oh, you know, grandma used to make it all the time. No, no problem. And, and then he did it. And it's like, of course. Yeah. Everybody starts somewhere. It's a learning process. It is process. a learning process. So, I mean, that's why I want to start really simple with this recipe. I want uh, someone else to be able to do it, anyone else to be able to do it from their house. And then, you know what? Then start developing the recipe from there if you want to, if you choose to, right? You know, come up with your own pizza recipe dough. Are we going to eat this pizza? Yeah. I, I mean, this is the most important question. What day do I show up <laughs> at your house? Is, is really because you don't have to bring it to me. I'll just I'll bring a plate to your door or your gate on the side of your house and you can just dish out pizza to us. <laughs> so I, I'm hoping to if if this is successful. So you will definitely get something that I'm making. Hopefully you won't regret asking for it. <laughs> oh. So we'll be back after this little break to find out how Sarah's pizza turned out and what these mystery toppings are. <laughs> I can't wait to see this. I know, me too. Take a trip to Malta and check out Gennaro Contaldo's pizza video on Jamie Oliver's Food Tube, or pick up Gennaro's Italian bakery cookbook named Panetaria. But remember, just pick one recipe, stay sane, and enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to Three Kitchens. Sarah, tell us about your journey with pizza dough. So it was a journey. (laughs) You've hinted as much. Oh, no. (laughs) It worked out in the end, I think. Uh, But so Saturday come, and I think this was one of the issues is I shouldn't have done this on the weekend when there was so many things going on. Uh, I thought... I thought it was a great day to do it. My chores were done. I went to the Italian market. I got my flour. I came home. And then I decided to work on the pizza okay. sauce, right? Which, mm-hmm. is, which is a recipe that I know well. I use it in my pasta as well. I'm making the sauce. It's tasting great. And all it needs is salt. Mm-hmm. The very last step. And I go to my pantry and I realize that my salt shaker is out of salt. Oh, so I go to use a new salt shaker. And it's one of those ones that um, is from Costco. What I didn't like about the salt shakers before in Costco was they have great variety of salts, but you could not refill the grinder. And all of a sudden they started, someone must have complained about it and they started making these grinders that you could refill. Oh, so I opened up a new one. I went to uh, salt my sauce, not realizing that it wasn't sealed. Oh no. And half of it poured out all over my stove, all over my floor. Oh shit. And into my sauce. Oh (laughs) no. So it was awful. So what happened was I stopped, like I turned off the fire, I cleaned up everything. And then I went to taste my sauce and it was ruined. It's awful. So of course I'm in a mood now and I go back (laughs) to the Italian store to get more ingredients to make sauce again and I did I made sauce again oh and this time I was really careful with the the salt grinder oh yeah (laughs) and then I go to make the flour in my mixer 
and I open up my Gennaro Contaldo's Panetaria book and I'm trying to calm down a little bit, right? Because I'm like not in a good mood at this point. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so I look at his recipe and I start putting all the quantities that I need to in the flour. Okay. I turn on the mixer and like about two minutes into what a minute into it, my stand mixer starts to smell like, you know, that burning motor smell. Oh, no. And I'm just I'm really nervous at this point. And I'm like, remember, I messaged you saying my stand mixer is on its last leg. And yeah, yeah, I don't know what's going on. And and uh, anyway, I get through to the dough, like the dough works. And I I rest it for 10 minutes and I divide it into the individual balls right. of pizza dough. And I then go to proof it. And it doesn't proof very well. <laughs> What what do you mean? So it doesn't really rise. Oh, it's really dry. And I'm really frustrated at this point. And I I remember my husband asking me, so when is dinner ready? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I'm really angry. (laughs) And you know what? You got to figure out your own dinner. (laughs) It's not going to work. What do you mean? You just spent all this time in the kitchen and there's no (laughs) food. (laughs) Disasters, pizza disasters. So I go to bed in a bad mood and I realized that I did something very different with this recipe. And what had happened sometimes in recipes, they give you two kinds of measurements. They give you cup measurements and they give you gram measurements. And I've never used cup measurements. I always use gram measurements. So I take my scale and I usually measure out the flour and the water because I find that it's different in every house and it depends on what flour you use and all that stuff. Yes. But I think in with me being frazzled, I used his cup measurements. So I used a generous four cups of flour. Okay. One and one third cups of water. Okay. In that dough on Saturday. Mm hmm. And that was not correct. What I should have done, which is what I did the next day, Ah. was I used 500 grams of pizza flour, which ended up being way less than four cups, by the way. Oh, interesting. And uh, 320 uh, milliliters of water, along with two teaspoons of salt, five grams of active dry yeast, which I changed into, converted into instant Mm -hmm. yeast, which was about 3.75 about grams of of instant yeast. And and that was it. That's it. That's all that goes into the pizza dough. And then I put my stand mixer on on Sunday with those measurements. A lot more water this time, a lot less flour. (laughs) There was no burning smell from the stand mixer. Oh, good. It was a nice sticky dough, which I think is what you want with a pizza dough. And I had it going for 10 minutes. Okay. Not the 20 minutes that I had said, just because it came together quite fast. And I think with a stand mixer, you have a risk of uh, kneading it too much. I took the dough out of the stand mixer and I let it rest for 10 minutes after. Okay. And then I divided it into the portions that I needed and I needed it by hand and it was really nice and stretchy. Mm, yes. And, and then I stretched it. So I don't know if this can come across well, but you sort of press the base of your palm into the dough and you hold one edge and you pull it away from you mm-hmm. and then you fold it back mm-hmm. and then you turn it around and you do the same thing and you make it into a ball. Okay. Okay. 
Um, there are different ways of making pizza dough into balls. And like, again, you know, there are entire websites on Google dedicated to pizza making <laughs> and everything will contradict each other. But I was just going with what he said. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I made six balls out of it, which in my opinion, with, with those measurements, I think makes about six personal size pizzas, I would say, at least for me. <laughs> I don't know if, yeah. if uh, you guys thought the same way, but if you want it, you can make two large pizzas and maybe three medium pizzas out of that measurement. Okay. Now I did the proofing hack where I took a little bottle, I put some dough to a one centimeter mark and I waited for it to rise to a two centimeter mark. It took me about three to three and a half hours to get mm. there. Um, I didn't have it in a warm place because my kids also had guitar recitals that day. So I had to make sure that it improved too quickly. Yes. <laughs> it's a little bit of a mess of a weekend. But at the end of the recitals, it was perfect timing. My, my pizza was, was proofed. Okay. Which is when the pizza surprise comes up. Yes. I decided to make my pizzas. Yeah, I like to shape things. You know me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I decided to make them look like handheld fans. Yes. You know what I'm yes. talking about <laughs> when it's a warm day. Yes. <laughs> you cool yourself down with the fan. Except yeah. you can eat this fan. And mm-hmm. then I decorated it like it was a fan. So I put like pepperoni slices, really thin slices of uh, bell peppers. Yes. And mushrooms to sort of decorate it and make it pretty. It was very visually appealing. (laughs) Yes. I did infuse an olive oil with garlic for two Mm. days. Oh, Um, yeah. And so I, when I flattened the dough out and made it into a shape, I brushed that olive oil onto the dough. Mm. And then I put my sauce on. And then I put my veggies on and then I put a little bit of cheese on top. And then I finished it with Parmesan cheese. Yes. What I really wanted to do was just to do a garlic oil and put herbs and vegetables and make it sort of like a more like a breadstick. Okay. Right. Yeah. Instead of a pizza, instead of Mm -hmm. pizza with tomato sauce and all that stuff. But my kids complained that they wanted like, you know, an actual pizza. So I I did it that way. But I think it would look really beautiful if you could make a spring onion on one side and have tomatoes and then sort Mm. of put some herbs and and then maybe finish it with a Parmesan cheese. I think it would look really beautiful. I think it would make Mm. a nice little gift if you're going to someone's house. Yeah. Maybe top it with fresh edible flowers that you don't cook. Yes, that would be them, But put them on at the end. Especially yeah. with your fan. It would have looked really good with your fan design. Yes. It to- it absolutely looked like a fan. There was no oh, question what it was. Yeah. That was the first thing I asked when uh, when I dropped it <laughs> off at your house. Yeah. Says, what does it look like? What does it look like? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I've heard of using zucchini flowers in doughs. Mm. Oh, oh, yeah. You can cook those. Yeah. You can yeah, cook yeah. with those. So those yeah. would, you could honestly put that on top of the fan. And yeah. cook it with the dough and everything. And I bet you that would make a really, ooh, maybe the summer we'll have to try something mm-hmm. fun with that. So is the zucchini flour supposed to have a very similar taste to the zucchini then? I've never tasted it, but somebody Me was either. talking about putting it on a crepe pan and then pouring the crepe mit- sauce over top and cooking oh. crepes with these flours in there. Ooh, so I feel what? like, yeah. 
So I feel like maybe putting a zucchini flower with dough is a good idea. And I'm going to try it this summer because Mm. I don't know what the flavor is at all. I know nothing, but now I've heard about it. So I want to try it. And, and I think uh, the pizza dough might be a good uh, vessel for delivery. (laughs) Yes. So gardener friends, if you take the flower off the plant, will you not get a zucchini? I don't know. I assume you don't then get a zucchini because you've stolen the flower, right? Well, maybe leave the flower there for a little bit so that it gets pollinated and then take it off. Yeah. At what point do you take it off and save the zucchini itself? I only ask because I have very little space and I grow zucchini in pots and I don't want to give up the zucchini. Mm-hmm. but I'd like to try the flower. Something to look up for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you grow nasturtiums? I do. Yes. Yeah, so do I. And those are peppery. They'd be really good on a Oh, they would add mm-hmm. a yummy flavor to a pizza. Yeah. And they're beautiful too, all colors. Oh, I feel like summer and pizzas and all we've talked about is cooking this summer. You can tell we really want to get into our fresh yes. garden already. <laughs> and it just snowed today. Yes. Or snowed last yes. night. So. Yeah, we're sitting here under snow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm keeping so, my blinds closed. I'm just yes. in denial right now. <laughs> I know. My flannel jammies are back on. And <laughs> yeah, the very last bit of this pizza story, I decided to do it on a barbecue. Oh, okay. Tell me how it worked. Okay. So he spoke about rolling this dough really thin, as thin as you can. Uh, Because of that, I didn't make my barbecue too hot. I put the pizza stone on the barbecue. I started it and I got it to about 475. And, you know, it's always a little bit tricky keeping the temperature consistent with the barbecue, but I did for the most part. And I thought that the the pizza cooked really well and it only took me about six to six and a half minutes but at one point when I was sort of in between uh, cooking the pizza and and shaping another one the barbecue got to about 500 and when it got to about 500 that's when my dough started bubbling up quite a bit yeah which is fine like I don't mind Mm -hmm. those little bubbles on pizza I didn't really want it for the the fan Mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of keep it kind of pretty. So then I had to kind of cool it down back to 475 and continue on. So I made six fans with that amount. So then I drove over and dropped it off at your doorsteps straight away because I had had it with pizza done. (laughs) (laughs) My family really liked it. And so tell me your take. My family really liked it too. I had to share this time because they were all there. And they were like, yeah. oh, what's this pizza? Who made this pizza? And when anytime my family hears that Sarah or Aaron have made food and shared, <laughs> they're always like, oh, let me try. They're smart. They know where the good food comes <laughs> from. I cut it into four pieces, although my piece was just a little bit bigger. <laughs> As it should be. <laughs> I said it's because of, it's because of the podcast. It's work. And so mm-hmm. therefore I need the bigger <laughs> <That's> piece. <right. laughs> yep. It's, it's my job. It's my job. <laughs> it was really tasty. Although by the time I ate it, it was cold. So I, th- I imagine it was even better straight off the barbecue. I think it would have been really delicious. And I definitely got that, the taste of that garlic oil. I mean, I wasn't sure what it was, but I definitely yeah. was like, there's something here. And I love garlic too. So I really liked that a lot. Oh, good. What did you think about the texture of the dough? It was quite crispy. 
crust. I thought it was really good. This was a thin crust. What I liked about it was it had tons of bubbles in between mm. the layers, yes. which is, I think, what you want to see, right? It was really nice and bubbly. So what did you think, Erin? I thought it was really good. I agree that I was eating it and wondering what that flavor was. Mm-hmm. And I could taste that Parmesan on top. Yeah, And that was really good. I really oh, liked good. the Parmesan on top and the toppings were tasty and the the sauce was good. And yeah, that garlicky olive oil. Did you just dice up garlic and put it into an olive oil? Or Yeah, I just sort of smashed a garlic and I put it in some olive oil, right? And mm. let it infuse for maybe a day and a half. I think oh, you don't want to do that over three days. You, you want to keep it in your fridge because garlic can go rancid oh, in yeah. a liquid. So it was a really good thin crust. My family saw it and said, Ooh, <laughs> and I said, don't touch that. That's my work stuff. <laughs> I played the same card, Heather. It's such a good excuse. Really. And so I, I saved it and I had it for breakfast the next morning. So I just heated it up in my toaster oven and, and munched on it uh, for breakfast. The bottom of mine got pretty burnt. So right. I would just say that your pizza stone was too hot. That would be my only. Maybe yours was in when it got up to 500. Yeah. Maybe mine was the hot one because it was bubbly on top too. Listen, next time you only share the perfect ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And your family, gets, your family gets the gets, burnt one. Yeah. Okay? Like, like usual. Like yes. usual. Like usual. <laughs> I am going to make this pizza again. But what I'm going to do next time, looking at all these websites and all these cookbooks, you know, everyone says do it by hand. And so I might use the stand mixer for about two or three minutes and then go from there just to find out what the texture of pizza dough should feel like when it's being needed and when to stop. And I think there's only one way to do it and it's to try it. But now that that first attempt is done, I think I'm more relaxed about it. And do you think that that the special flour made a big difference, do you think? I wouldn't know. You mean you're talking about that double zero, the zero zero flour? Well, you went to the Italian store just to get special flour for this. I just wondered if it made a difference or. These are experts. I'm just going to go with sure. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. It was definitely finer. The flour was finer, but. I think it's important that you weighed it out. Yes. Because I think like the first batch that was donated to the trash bin. (laughs) It it makes a big difference when you weigh flowers. It's something that I've started learning to do that I think will make you a better baker. Yeah, for sure. And I think I just recently, no, well, not maybe not super recent, but in the past few years learned to, because I don't have a sifter and they always say sift your flour. Right. But I learned the trick of like stirring it and getting air into it and then scooping it with a spoon, spooning it into your scoop and leveling it, as opposed to just digging your scoop in the bag of flour and off you go. Ah, gotcha. Putting air into it. That's the funny thing. I've always weighed out my flour because I am still learning about baking. I'm not very comfortable with baking. So I don't know what happened this time. (laughs) Completely (laughs) forgot my own rules about this. Too frazzled. Too frazzled. But I really enjoyed it. I'm going to go with this. And, you know, the more you read about it, and I was reading more about it yesterday. I don't know why. (laughs) Uh, Some people say that three and a half hours is too long. You're going to have to put it in the fridge at this point. I think it's the proofing hack that makes that difference. Because on a hot day, your dough will overproof. I've overproofed my pizza dough before. 
I think that happened when I made my pizza for you, Heather. <laughs> oh, and I really liked it. It may have been that we were around a campfire and we were having a few drinks and, uh, you know, I was just so happy to be hanging out that I didn't <laughs> care. I was happy to have that pizza. So that dough that I made um, makes for different kinds of pizzas, depending on how you roll it out and what toppings you put on. If you go through his other pizza recipes, there are some that are much thicker. Ah. So it's all about how you roll it out and what you want to do with it. But the basic dough recipe is the same for all of them. Hmm, nice. What was his name again? Gennaro Contaldo. And the Contaldo. cookbook name is Panateria. Nice. That's that. That's my pizza experience. Thank you for, for sharing with us after all of the hard labor that went into it. <laughs> yes. And thank you for persevering for take two, because you could have just given up after Saturday and said, screw it. I'm not doing this stupid pizza. I, I couldn't give up. I had to produce pizza. <laughs> and you did. So that's it for Sarah's pizza adventure. Thanks, Sarah. See you next time. Bye. Bye. And now for the fine print. You can find pictures and recipe links on Instagram and Facebook at Three Kitchens Podcast. Feel free to leave us a comment or a suggestion for future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, if you like and subscribe, that helps more people find us. This is better than the store-bought pizza.